The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany is from Isaiah chapter 49. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord, and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves, because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistles from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. We rise from the reading of the Gospel. <coughs> the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, 
Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you standing? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning's message, the epistle reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For over the next coming of weeks, up until Transfiguration Sunday, we will be reading through the first part of 1 Corinthians. And the first letter to Corinth is one of those books in the Bible that makes you realize that as much as the world around us seems to be changing all the time, people remain pretty much the same. We have the same hopes, the same fears, the same sins, and the same need for salvation now as has ever been. The same false gods still lure us as always. They just wear a different face. And in Corinth, they had problems, for sure. In the ancient world, there is a verb to Corinthianize, which was already in use about 400 years before Jesus' day, and it meant to be sexually promiscuous on account of the reputation of the city and the various temples that were there dedicated to the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Corinth was indeed a major city. It had all the big city problems. It was not an easy place to be a faithful Christian. And as such, a lot of the problems of the world found their way into the church there as well. So when you think about Corinth, you have to recognize that the church there was, in a lot of ways, not all that different from the church today. False teachers encouraged people to keep one foot in the pagan temple worship and one foot in the church. Social pressure abounded on the faithful to compromise who they were and what they believed in order to get along better in society and the world. The more things change, the more they stay the same, as the old proverb says. And to this struggling community, this church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul writes a letter. Corinth was a place that he knew and knew well. In Acts chapter 18, we hear of Paul's work there, establishing the congregation in Corinth, spending a full year and a half among them. He had a very special connection to this congregation. So the various ills and struggles that were 
racking through this congregation which had come to his attention must have stung him quite deeply. Let's hear how Paul writes this church then from 1 Corinthians starting at the first verse. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their Lord and ours grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's writing with her by means of a man named Sosthenes. Sosthenes was obviously also a Christian. And although Paul's given credit for the letter, Sosthenes is the co-author, as it were, under the formula of greeting at the head of the letter. This Sosthenes may be the same one mentioned in Acts 18 as one of the early believers and leaders of the Christian congregation there. And it would certainly help us understand how Paul had such great insight as to the particular problems the congregation in Corinth was struggling with. Paul is called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Being an apostle was never a self-designated or self-chosen role. Paul wanted to be a big hero of the Jewish faith, persecuting the Christians and being the Pharisee of Pharisees. But God had other ideas. For the Heavenly Father knew that Paul was just the right sort of person to bring the gospel, not just to Jews, but to Gentiles as well. And so Paul and Sosthenes together write to this entire congregation of Corinth, pointing them first and foremost to the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And as I've already said, it's not like the church in Corinth didn't have problems. Indeed, of all the letters written to various churches in the New Testament, the church in Corinth seems to have more problems than any. But all the problems this Corinthian congregation faces can be resolved in a God-pleasing way if, and only if, everyone remembers who they are in Christ. As the Apostle writes, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice where Paul puts all the emphasis as he opens his letter to the church in Corinth. He doesn't start by saying, I've heard all this bad stuff about you. He'll address all that in due time. But rather, Paul starts with the grace of God and God's faithfulness. God is faithful to the people of Corinth, and that faithfulness is shown in a number of ways. First, God's faithfulness is shown in his people being enriched in him in all speech and in all knowledge. 
the reason we have regular Bible study classes, and I'm hoping to start up more over these winter months, is that there is no question that having extra opportunities by which to grow in God's Word is a blessing to all who are able to take part in it. The more you speak God's Word, the more you hear God's Word, the more you know of God's Word, the more His Word has impact on you in your heart and in your mind, the more it changes how you think, how you live, how you treat others. God's Word is powerful and effective. He works through His Word to make us His people. Second, the testimony of Christ has been confirmed among us. Now, of course, we don't have direct eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus roaming about town among us. We're a couple thousand years late for that. But it appears one or two of the people at Corinth knew them, based on 1 Corinthians 15. But we do have the Word of God, written by faithful men, who could testify to what they had heard, what they had seen, what they had experienced themselves. And they were willing not just to live for that truth, but to die for it as well. Archaeology, that discipline that's arisen in the last 150 years or so, has confirmed the general trustworthiness of those who wrote these things. And history itself is full of people whose lives have been completely transformed by the good news, the testimony of Christ. We are not lacking of any gift. As was said of the Corinthians, so is true of us as well. The word for gift here implies gift of grace, gifts which flow out of God's grace given us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is our congregation small? Certainly, by the standards of the world, by the standards of our community. And, you know, in a world that believes bigger is always better, we're small. But do we have all that we need to carry out God's work in our congregation, in our community? Certainly. Because Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he is among us. Wherever God's word is spoken and taught and learned in its truth and purity, God's gifts of grace are truly given to those who in faith are open to receiving them. We have what God has promised to give us in his word. Would it be nice to have more people here to enjoy those gifts with us? Absolutely. But that's a task given to each and every Christian to reach out with the good news of what Jesus has done for you. Not in a pushy or arrogant way. But just like Andrew bringing his brother Peter in our gospel for today, a way that says you care because of what a blessing Jesus is for you. For like the Corinthians, we also are waiting for the day of our Lord's return. Nearly 2,000 years later, we are definitely closer than ever, but still we do not know the day or the hour. Yet as we wait, we cannot, we must not rely on our own powers, plans, or schemes, for the church is the Lord's church. We are his people. We are called always and only to go back to what he has already given us 
His gifts of grace, the word, the sacraments, the encouragement we receive from being part of the fellowship of the believers. For when God calls us to be his holy people through the waters of baptism, he doesn't call us to be a network of independent believers like the monks out in the desert, but rather a body of faith, a group of like-minded people who live in the world, but come together to share in the most important thing in common, our Lord Jesus Christ, and who then out of faith, willingly and gladly gather where and how we can to continue to share in that grace God has given us so that we have the power and strength to show his love to others. For even now we are guiltless before God in Christ. The biggest reason we continue as a church, the primary doctrine of the Christian church, is the forgiveness of sins, the new life we receive through what Jesus has done and given to us. If Jesus were merely some great moral teacher, some philosopher, we'd have no reason to gather as we do. Even if he were just a great prophet, we would have no reason to worship as we do. But he is not just a prophet, not just a teacher of morals. He is the Son of God, the one who came to be the Lamb of God, our substitute, the one who lived without sin of any sort. And a quick review by any one of us of the Ten Commandments will prove our own failures in that way. Yes, Jesus is the one who willingly took on the sins of the world, your sins and mine and bore them in his body in order that you and I could be set free from the chains of sin, death, and the power of the devil. Because of what Jesus has done, regardless of those problems that Paul will have to go on to address in Corinth, regardless of the struggles which our own congregations will face from time to time, God is faithful. He truly has called us out of the darkness of sin into his eternal light. He has put his holy claim upon you in your baptism. And as you gather with your fellow believers, as you're doing now, he is working new life in your heart. He is making you new day by day as long as you do not resist the work of his Holy Spirit through that word you hear and receive in this place. Yes, dear friends, be encouraged in Christ. God is faithful to you. He's faithful to our congregations. As we look forward to our annual meetings in the coming weeks, continue the work of our church over the coming year, hold on to that faithfulness and work according to it. For Jesus has given to you and to me all the gifts of grace we need in order to do his will, to abide and flourish as his people in this place. Thanks be to God. Amen.
The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.